Hello, interview listeners. It's Jill, your host, with a quick reminder. The topics discussed on this podcast span artistic, intuitive, spiritual, and holistic awareness for both people and animals. Information shared should not replace medical, psychological, or veterinary care. This applies to myself, co-hosts, and guests on the show. I'm not a healthcare professional, nor do I give advice I'm not trained to offer. Please seek the appropriate help if you need to. Thank you. Now, on to the show. Hear Spirit Calling? I'm Jill, and this is my intuitively guided podcast where all things spiritual, creatively mix and mingle. As an artistic mystic, we'll talk about everything from Reiki to writing, art to angels, earth wisdom to meditation, and the psychic nudges only our soul knows. Thanks so much for joining me for another inspired conversation. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hello and Are You. I'm Jill, your host, and today I have with me a very grounded guest. Her name is Teresa Lafferty. Teresa is a nationally certified Ayurvedic practitioner, advanced medicinal aromatherapist, Reiki master teacher, shamanic animal healer, and animal communicator. She is the past president of the Ayurveda. Association of Wisconsin and founder of Wise Tree Academy, an online wellness school. Her passions are sharing Ayurveda, earth-based healing, and teaching how to be in harmony with the environment. Yay! With each client, human or animal, she weaves food as medicine, instruction, herbal wisdom, and spiritual practices into their detailed wellness plan or course curriculum. I am so excited to talk to her today. How amazing. This is also falling on the first day of autumn, and tomorrow we've got the fall equinox with us, so that energy is with us. So I cannot wait to dive right into this convo. Welcome to the show, Teresa. Thank you so much, Jill. I'm just thrilled to be here. Awesome. Me too. I am thrilled to be with you because there is... A to Z information with Aravita, and I have so many questions. But first, I would love to start with how did Aravita lead you into the lifestyle that you have now? You know, we all have such interesting lives. So I'm sure as I'm sharing part of my journey, I am certain that it's going to spark interest or common ground with so many people because it has a, a level of simplicity to it, yet it has this sort of synchronicity unfolding. So years ago, I was leading a regular, normal American life, having my job, going out to client dinners, and just doing all the things that we would normally do as a just a career-driven person. I had, at the time, my first two dogs as an adult, Border Collies, and one of them went in for routine procedure, like she had her teeth cleaned. And they came back and said, there's this kind of strange growth in her mouth. We're going to send it off. It's no big deal. We're going to send it off. A few days later, I got the devastating news that it was actually an aggressive form of cancer and it was in her mouth. 
And the fast track of this story is we went the conventional route. We ended up at a very top veterinary practice in the Chicago area. They gave us their plan for her and it was pretty aggressive to try to treat this cancer and get her back to her normal life. And at the end of them talking to us with some kind of gruesome details, we said, what is the chance of this being successful? They said, you know, it's about average. It's about 10% successful. Here's the high ticket dollar amount. This is what we think you should do. We took a couple of days and we said, there has to be another way. We started going to hold your hats. We went to the library (laughs) to look at books because we, again, we did not have the internet. So we went to the library. We found a really great book that had resources in the back. And I literally started calling people saying, I see that you are a holistic vet. Here's my problem. Can you help me? We landed with a fantastic holistic vet that opened my life, maybe reopened my life to herbal medicine, food as medicine, teas, essential oils, Reiki, crystals, flower essences, like all of this stuff. And to kind of synopsize her experience, this was 1999. And she passed away of old age related issues at 16 and a half years old. That just turned my life upside down in many ways. And over the next many years, things kept opening and opening and opening. When I started going through early stages of menopause, I started looking around for all the things that I knew, herbal solutions, essential oil solutions energetic solutions, changing my diet. I went to my regular medical doctor and talked to her about some options. And all of it was just pointing me back to this path of, sorry, this is what women go through all the time and you must suffer. I did not believe that to be true because I believe that there is a beautiful, loving, creative, divine energy in the universe. And I don't think that that energy would say all women must suffer through this thing called menopause. So I found through a family friend, I found Ayurveda, I found a practitioner, and I found an Ayurvedic school. I started going to see my practitioner, and that was in May of a particular year. And then by the fall time, following their recommendations very closely, because I was fairly miserable, by the fall time, almost all of my issues were resolved. I had anxiety, constipation, dry skin. I I felt like my mind was just not functioning correctly. I had all kinds of emotional turmoil that I'd never had in my life. All of those things were basically resolved by the fall time. And that inspired me to shift my life and dedicate the remaining years, (laughs) hopefully a lot of those, to Ayurveda, to helping women who suffer that as well as always in the back of my mind, there is this animal component to life and helping people and their animals find balance, find peace. Mm -hmm. So that's how I found Ayurveda. And I have not looked back since. I, I love this story. And Teresa, I completely vibe out with the holistic veterinarian experience because I believe you and I know the same one. And that's where I also found flower essences. And I believe you were the one that told me about it all of those years ago. And also 
classes about essential oils. And then as luck would have it in the same area, there was Aravita and you were giving classes to just share what this was. I just found those notes from that class all of those years ago. And I remember feverishly scribbling down everything and the way that you broke it down and explained it to the class has stuck with me. And I keep referring back to it. And what's interesting is you're hearing more about this lifestyle and about this practice. It opened my eyes to so many things on my path. So thank you for that. But if you could share, what is Ayurveda? I know there's a ton of information. How do people connect with it on levels more than just in the physical? Well, I just love how you brought it together to say that we had these synchronistic meetings years ago that led us to this point. I think that is such an important part for everybody's life. You know, they think, oh gosh, this is such a coincidence that blank happened. I look at that as this is the universe sort of stepping in and inviting us to take a closer look. And sometimes it's a closer look to go, nope, not doing that, whatever that is. Uh, but other times it's a it's an invitation for us to look closer at our lives and really evaluate, are we in the right place? Are we doing the right things? And I don't mean right from wrong, just aligned actions that are taking us to a place of peace and balance and happiness. And I just love that our paths have come and gone and, and revisited and it keeps kind of intertwining us back together. So mm-hmm. I love, I love that sharing. So I appreciate you adding that in. Ayurveda is a holistic healing practice that comes from ancient India. So I want to definitely identify that this is something coming from the Indian culture, from the continent. And it is something that has sort of been tucked away for many years. It actually predates Chinese medicine. Chinese medicine has had a a really embraced experience here in the United States. And luckily, it's, it's been the way that a lot of people find out about the elements and about herbs and about energy medicine and kind of how all of that works together. But actually, Chinese medicine learned a lot of those basics from Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. Ayurveda then kind of went underground for many reasons. And it has now a resurgence because all indigenous cultures uh, have talked about this piece that when the time is right, that knowledge will be openly shared. Until that time is right, it's kind of held a little close and protected and kept safe. So we definitely are in gratitude to the uh, Indian culture for holding space for that teaching and now letting everyone learn about it. So Ayurveda is a holistic view of life saying that we need proper diet, we need proper lifestyle, we need proper stress management, we need proper sleep. We are this holistic being that Western medicine is kind of fragmented to say, you go to a doctor for OBGYN, you go to a doctor for uh, your mental health, challenges. You go to a doctor for your gut balance. So all of these different fragmented pieces are out there in Western medicine. And it's up to us to bring it all together and go, wait a minute, this doctor said this, but that doctor said that. And how do I manage this and put it all together myself? I am my advocate. Mm. 
Makes sense. And going back to that class that you offered all those years ago, it hit my soul first. And I couldn't explain it when I got home to my husband. I said, there's something called Ayurveda and I need to explain it to you. And he was like, huh? And I was like, no, no, you need to understand. And I feel like the soul gets it first and the mind is struggling to catch up with what this is. And I do remember in that class, there were specific things you checked in with the person on, which was like the pulse rate, the coating on your tongue. There's like checks and balances with Ayurveda that are different and yet so incredibly specific to your digestive issues, how you could tell my digestive issues were a certain way because of what my tongue looked like or what my pulse was like or those types of things that feel very basic, Teresa, but they're just so integral to this holistic way to address our physical, mental, and emotional body. How could you describe that for people and how you then work with somebody to help them in their life with what they're struggling with? Anybody that starts to study Ayurveda, either from the levels of training, which are health counselor, which is a one-year training or maybe a two-year training, and then the practitioner level, which is anywhere between two and four years. And then there is an Ayurvedic doctor, and you can't see me using air quotes, but that doctor phrase in the Western world in the United States, we cannot use that term unless someone has a medical doctor degree. But in India, there's a level called you know Ayurvedic doctor, but knowing that those people are really clinically trained. So when you start going down the path of learning Ayurveda, you realize this is going to be a study that I'm going to pursue for the rest of my life. It's a deep, very vast subject. However, it's so basic that when we start using the term mind, body, spirit, Ayurveda people kind of roll their eyes because it's like, that's a person. A person is not just a physical body. They're not just their mind. They're not their spiritual path. Those are not separate things. They're all wrapped up into making you who you are. When we're studying a pulse rate or a pulse, we're not just saying how many beats a minute. We're looking at it and going, how strong is it? How weak is it? How fluid is it? How jagged is it? How soft or how strong or how one of our words is how jumpy is it? There's all these descriptors that just by putting our hand, our fingers in a very particular way on the pulse that we have available to us deep knowledge about what's going on with that person or animal where there's obviously pulse checking on humans and animals. Then we look at the tongue and we're looking at the shape, the size, how easy is it for you to hold it still? How difficult is it for you to hold it still? The coating that's on the outside, just incredible knowledge. There are books written solely on tongue diagnosis, books. Mm -hmm. So like I said, there is such deep knowledge, but how I word it to people is that really when you, like we're talking about really vast buckets of, of approach with Ayurveda, but when you start boiling it down and bringing it down smaller and smaller and smaller to its most finite drop, Ayurveda helps a person or an animal, helps a, a being know themselves better, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. know who they are, what their challenges are, what is likely to happen to them, what their response is to particular things. It's to help us 
know that better so we can make better choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything goes together. When you're working from this perspective, that's how I found it to be. And again, I was coming from the student's perspective and it was exciting because I felt more in control of my health and my awareness of what I was doing in my life, what I was eating. Was I exercising enough? What's my meditative lifestyle like? What time do I go to bed? What time do I get up? It put into the conversation the more practical awareness of all of those things versus reactionary things. When I think of, again, I love Western medicine. I'm not bashing it. I'm saying sometimes that can be very reactionary. Oh, I have an owie. I must react. Whereas Ayurveda is very proactive and almost like thinking ahead so that you don't become reactionary in your lifestyle. Am I correct in saying that? You're absolutely correct. And when we look at Western medicine, and I'm not a Western medicine basher either, holistic mm -hmm. means all things, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you know, we say holistic doctor, some people think, or a holistic approach, some people just think it's only holistic, but holistic is whole. So we, holistic view is everything available to us. And thank goodness we live in a modern world where they can put back on our leg that got chopped off, right? So thank goodness we live in this miraculous modern world. But what you're picking up on is my story that I use is when we become an adult. It's like when you are on your own, you are figuring out things for yourself. The scary part about that is with what we're talking about is most people's habits that they are using today were developed when they first stepped out on their own. Mm -hmm. What time they went to bed, were they a night owl, were they a morning person, what kind of food they ate, how did they manage their stress in their life? Those things were discovered and kind of put in place during that time that you were first on your own. Most people will remember calling their mother or their grandmother, or their father, or somebody going, how do you make the X dish that I love so much? How do you make that? Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are those pieces. And then you learn to make it and now it's your own. Mm -hmm. So think about if you had guidance that told you how to live in balance, not with your, just yourself, but with your environment and the age that you are, how to live in balance at all stages of your life as a child, hopefully got being guided by a parent, as a young adolescent, as a young teenager, as a young adult, as a um, middle-aged person, as an aging person, as an aged person. What are the things that you should be doing to bring your life in balance at all of those stages? That's mm -hmm. what Ayurveda has available. That's what you have available through learning about this modality. What are the things that I should be doing as an 18-year-old? What are the things that I should be doing as a 25-year-old, as a 40-year-old, as a 70-year-old, as a 90-year-old? What does that look like? We don't have that available to us in the Western world in general form. We have the, oh no, something's gone wrong. How do I fix this? We don't have this sort of easing through all of those stages of life. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you on that as well, where as you're figuring something out, you're also figuring out what doesn't work and what you need help with. And if something feels out of balance, trying to get a hold of it before it spins out of control. So if somebody is coming to you for an initial consult, could you take us through what 
that's like so that we can get an understanding of if you're seeking out a practitioner, what you might be doing together? Sure. So at the moment, all of my consultations are done virtually. 2020 sort of changed things and we are much more comfortable in that setting. Prior to that, I was doing most of my consultations in person. So it shifted a bit at the moment to be more on a virtual setting. So the thing that most people notice right off the bat when they book the appointment and I send them some paperwork to fill out is that this is one of the only times of their lives that they have put everything down in one place. Family history, talking about your own history, had any surgeries, had any traumas, had any you know life things that happened that were pretty dramatic, that goes on the paperwork. We start talking about anything that is going on with your digestion. We place a lot of importance on how well you're digesting. Because if your digestion is messed up, we're really behind the eight ball with other things that are going on. That particular question is always very interesting because I ask people like, what are you eating? What time do you get up during the day? What time do you go to bed at night? How are you managing stress? Do you feel rested when you get up in the morning? Do you not? Uh, so it's a really deep dive into your personal life. And that's again, maybe one of the first times that anyone has ever experienced that, that someone is interested and listening and taking notes about your life. Mm -hmm. But when I get to the part where I'm asking about digestion, many people say I have no digestive issues. And I'm looking at what they've said is going on. I'm like, this doesn't add up. So something must be wrong. Asking deeper, like that means you can eat anything. You can eat wheat and dairy and sugar, and you can eat all of these things and you have no digestive problem. And they kind of gasp and they go, Oh my goodness, no, I avoid all of that stuff. Mm. So I'm like, Aha, so you have digestive issues, but you're managing them, you're not treating them. It's being managed by avoiding the thing that's causing the problem. Wow. And they go, Ah. Yes, that is what I do. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a really interesting thing with a, a lot of modern things that people say, I'm avoiding this and I don't do that and I don't do this. Now, I'm not trying to say that we're out there doing anything, but within reason, we should have strong enough digestion to eat most things without having issues. So that's usually a big turning point for a lot of people. Then the other turning point is going through all of the systems of the body. I'm asking you about how you sleep. I'm asking you about how your nervous system works. I'm asking you about any pain or discomfort that you're having in your body. I am inquiring about how your mind works. Do you have worry? Do you have anger? Do you have depression? Now, we are looking at it from the Ayurvedic perspective, not we're not trained in Western medicine. So we're trained in understanding those things from, a, from an Ayurvedic perspective. But I'm asking you about all of those things. Mm -hmm. And what I see over and over again is this what we call intake experience. So it's usually around two hours. We take a break in the middle to kind of clear the air. But when we get to the end of that two hours, most people are exhausted. Mm -hmm. Not from the just the two hour duration, but just the processing and reliving and thinking about 
all the things that are going on in their life or all the things that have gone on in their life to get them to this point. Mm-hmm. And I always invite people to go, please don't leave this appointment and rush right back into life. Give yourself a moment of pause. If you could do 20 minutes, that would be great. And always people respond back and go, I'm so glad you told me to do that because I did not realize how tightly I was holding my life information, how potentially traumatic some people cry during this time because they're reliving some mm-hmm. of these experiences. But those are the things that make up who you are today. Mm-hmm. Right. And that talk about digesting, right? Digesting the information of you back into you. It's a whole other way of looking at yourself. And it's a way of honoring yourself. Do you feel when you're speaking with people and everything that makes up their life, they realize in that moment, oh my gosh, this in and of itself is a therapeutic moment. And I appreciate just this realization of where I'm going off the rails. It's almost every single time. It may not happen in real time, like at the end of the appointment, making that comment. But at some point early in our relationship working together, that almost always comes up that like during that time, I was talking to you through the intake. I had so many realizations because I asked some deep questions for people like, how long has this been a part of your life? And for some people, that's the first time they've ever thought about it. How long have I had that? Oh, I've had that for like 20 years. Some people say they've had it their whole life. So what would you say is suggested for people to look at kind of the first line of defense with some of the things that they have issues with in their life? Is the go-to diet first? It depends on why they're coming to me. So if some people are coming to me about, like, I know I have a very poor diet, because one of the questions I ask you or one of the forms I have you fill out is a week's food diary. Like, tell me what you're eating. Tell me what you're drinking for a whole week. And I go, please don't try to sugarcoat it. Really tell me what you're doing. So if those things look like I'm having McDonald's for breakfast and Culver's for lunch and McDonald's for dinner, then we know that we need to really focus on some changing of habits. I always start with things that people feel like is an easy thing to change. So many times when they're doing it on their own, they're like, I know I need to change. So I'm I'm just going to not do any of that. That's what I've been doing for five years. I'm doing none of that. I'm going to completely and utterly change my life takes them about a week, sometimes two weeks, and they go, oh, I, I, I can't, I can't do this. This is too hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I pride myself and I ask repeatedly the things that I give people in their first recommendations. I go, does this sound easy? Does this sound easy? If they go, no, it sounds super hard. We break it down even farther. Ayurveda is a process. It isn't a immediate response. This is a lifestyle change. So mm-hmm. it couples together not only what you're eating, but probably more importantly, how you're eating it. Like everything's organic, prepared with love. This is awesome. I'm eating it as I'm driving around or I'm eating in front of the TV watching a horror movie. I'm thinking about how I sit down and watch Master Chef as I'm eating my food. And <laughs> I'm watching them cook at a different level. And I'm eating my food, which I thought was pretty good before I watched them. So it's like a mind thing. Why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we 
decide we're going to cook something, but then take our mind off of the process of eating. So the nourishment is what you're talking about, how to nourish your body. That's right. And, and to eventually, now this doesn't, what I'm going to say next does not happen immediately, does not happen overnight, but to look at the act of eating as a spiritual journey, not a problem to solve. If we do that, hopefully we get there. <laughs> when we look at nourishing ourselves, the act of nourishing ourselves is a spiritual experience. It is not a problem to solve as fast as possible so we can get back to our life. Mm -hmm. If we can make that shift on any level, any level, even like ticking the bar one and just like, okay, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to do this one little thing. That makes such a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And then also the temperature of food. I know that's another thing you discuss a lot, depending on your personal system, what feels good to you. But typically warmer foods or hotter foods are more nourishing. And then flavor, what's the flavor blast in your food that keeps you nourished in mind, body and soul, because it actually tastes really good. But it's not just about spices, it's about combinations of flavors. So could you talk about how this lifestyle helped you to become a better personal cook and how that evolved? I'm from the South. I'm from Kentucky. And Kentucky cooking is not Ayurveda cooking. Let's just say that. There's a lot of fried foods. It's good food. It's wholesome food cooked with lots of love. But you know, there's a lot of fried and fatty foods and those sorts of things that just don't match with our modern pretty much sedentary lifestyle that would work very well. If you were an active farmer or a manual laborer, you might be able to get away with that. Mm -hmm. So when I started looking into Ayurveda and learning about how to cook the Ayurvedic way, one of the first things that I discovered is that spice does not equal hot peppers. Mm. Using spices for their medicinal qualities to enhance your digestion is usually a big light bulb for most people, they're like, well, the only spices I use are salt, pepper, hot peppers, and oregano. That's the American view of spices. Mm -hmm. When I start talking about using things from the garden and using kitchen spices and teaching either clients or in a course, teaching them the medicinal qualities of things, that's when the eyes start kind of sparkling. We have in Ayurveda a thing called the six tastes. So we talk about what balances you. So American or the standard palate is really like salt, fat, sweet. That's like our, that's our understanding. But when we start talking about bitter foods or astringent foods, the eyes gloss over and go, I don't know how to do that. So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is thinking that good food has to be complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to make this elaborate meal every day. That's really good food. We simplify making it as simple as possible, making it as wholesome as possible. And yes, absolutely cooking our food. We are not a practice of eating salads. So many times people go, oh, I had, a, they fill out their uh, food diary and they go, oh, I just ate really well yesterday. I'm looking at it. I'm like, you had salad for two meals and it's February in Wisconsin. And we, you know, Ayurveda people go, it's cold outside. We don't have cold foods. We don't do a lot with sandwiches. We don't do a lot with raw veggies. Everything has their place and everything has their health benefit. 
but we customize what you are eating to you and your challenges. The food and the spices and the prep that I might give you could be vastly different than what I would give a friend of yours. So everything is very customized. I love that. It helps also with the idea of the whole yo-yo dieting thing. Would you say that the Aravita lifestyle helps to prevent that from happening? I don't know if I would say prevent it from happening, but what I would say is Ayurveda is a lifestyle. We pride ourselves into customizing things to your life. Like if you are somebody that has to cook for your family, it's not going to be super helpful with your stress level if you have to cook for you and cook separately for your family. Mm -hmm. So we try to find things that are in the middle ground that, you know, maybe making one dish that is this Ayurveda, uh, Ayurveda guided dish for everybody to try. You can eat the most of it if that's the way it goes, but everybody gets to try that. And it's like inviting everybody along versus this sort of exclusionary, like don't eat this and don't eat that and don't eat this and don't eat that. And your body just, your mind and body just can't resolve that. Because mm-hmm. it's too drastic. And in my words, it's not very loving to the body. Oh, yeah, that really hits home as well. It's more about acknowledging balance all through this entire conversation. It makes complete sense. So you have the diet portion of this. And then what are some other things that are a part of this lifestyle? I think the the daily schedule is something that really opens people's eyes. When I talk to them about, well, you're, you're, you have some really good wellness pieces you're already doing. You're just like doing them at the wrong time of day. And most people in the West here, that's a foreign concept. On occasion, I do have Eastern clients and they actually ask me like, what time should I be doing that? That just brings happiness to my heart when someone asks. It is the time of day that we're doing things. So in The Ayurvedic view of digestion, which is a really core piece of understanding. We are, as human beings, we are dinernal beings. We are not nocturnal beings, meaning we should not be living our lives at night. Because if we looked at it, the only way that we're able to do things at night is because the invention of electricity. If we didn't have electricity, our lives would be very different about what we do at nighttime. Now what we do is we modern people, we do all of our busy, busy stuff during the day, during the night, during the daytime, during the sunlight, we're all over the place doing our errands and all of the going to work and going to school and all the things we do. And then we come home in the evening and sit down and typically we'll have our largest meal in the evening. Then we maybe collapse or we go to bed having eaten our largest meal. Being a diurnal being, it means that our digestion, one of the things it means is it means our digestion is aligned with the energy of the sun. Now, hang with me if that sounds crazy. The most amount of available energy on the planet is at the highest point of the sun. And I think most people would say, yes, I understand that. Mm -hmm. Our digestive fire, Ayurveda word is Agni, A-G-N-I, our digestive fire is at its highest point, most available to properly digest a meal at noon, mm. at the, the tipping point of the sun. The highest point of the sun is when our digestive fire is also the highest. Now I'm talking about a person in balance, but what mm. do we do about that? We're too busy. We skip lunch. 
So then yeah. our then our acid level gets really out of whack. And you you know, for most people, if you're into wellness at all, one of the main concerns that people have these days is too much acid in the gut. So we skip a meal and then we go home. And as the sun is setting, so does our digestive fire. So does our metabolism. So does our energy level. We should be preparing for a good night's sleep. We mm -hmm. sit down, have a large meal. Everything just goes into storage because the body's like, sorry, and prepared to go to sleep. So I'm going to store that until tomorrow when I can work on it. I remember my mom always used to say something like, eat like a king for breakfast and end up eating like a pauper for dinner. So taper down as you go through the day. Don't load up. You're not going to be able to sleep well. And I always remembered that as a kid and somehow forgot it when I became an adult. So yeah, we have to refresh ourselves. Now as a coffee culture, right? This is a yep. big deal. We are a coffee culture and everybody just loves going through the drive-through and getting all of the drinks, which are mostly sugar. What is your opinion about drinking coffee and or if you're gonna drink coffee, when do you stop drinking coffee throughout the day? Well, coffee is, it's a, it's a slippery slope. So if we back up and say, why are we seeking that? We're seeking that because we didn't sleep well. Mm. We didn't sleep well because we had a big meal. Mm. We had a big meal because we skipped lunch. <laughs> so right. if you, if you back it up and really start unpeel, like peeling the onion layers away, the reason that we crave some sort of pick me up at two o'clock or three o'clock in the afternoon. The reason that we want that is not because we need more Starbucks. It's because we're either exhausted and, or we're dehydrated. Mm. Oh, dehydration. That is another moment. Absolutely. So that sort of culture that wakes up, I've got to have my coffee. Some of it is honestly ritual. We have no, well, I'll say no. We have very few food rituals in the United States, mm -hmm. in the West. We have very, we have Thanksgiving, you know, we have Christmas, we have things like their birthdays, we have things like that, but we have very few ritualistic behaviors centered around food. And my belief, this doesn't exactly come from Ayurveda, but what I have seen to, because I'm more of an earth being, and what I have seen is we crave that ritual. Like we're going through the drive-thru. That's our morning ritual. People say it. So if we had another thing that helped us have a ritual, helped us feel connected to the spiritual world, feel connected to the natural world. If we had this ritual that says, I am alive today and I'm on this journey, I think we would spend less time there. Coupled mm -hmm. with getting a good night's sleep, having mm -hmm. an earlier, lighter dinner, not skipping lunch, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a slippery slope as to how that works. So mm -hmm. I didn't exactly answer your question of like, when should we drink it? When should we not? Or, mm -hmm. but I think, I think, in a backwards way, I did. <laughs> yeah, no, you did. You did answer it. it it's all very practical and uh, straightforward information. So much so that our brain says, "Wait, this is too easy." Right? right? It's like you're you're very aware that yes, it makes sense. So why do I not do this? Why? And I think because our culture is on such fast forward all the time that to just be mindful and normal about how you eat, go to bed, get up maneuver through your day can feel difficult because I feel like the energy of the world is just running so high and heavy right now that it, it feels like somehow we have to keep up and go faster. 
But Ayurveda, in terms of its wholeness, has so much to do with balance. Do you find that your journey, because of this, created this connection with the earth? I know you're very, very grounded and appreciative of Mother Earth the animals, spiritual beings, elementals. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. And I I grew up in rural Kentucky and at a time when it was completely and utterly safe to spend hours and hours outside, either alone or with my animals and not have any fear. I understand that's not typically the world that we live in today, but I need that in order to be rejuvenated. But the thing that Ayurveda has taught me on a deep, deep, like I feel it in my bones level is what does it mean to live in harmony with nature? Now I thought I knew, but when I found Ayurveda and we started looking at what should I be eating in August? What should I be eating in July? What should I be eating in February? And really looking at that and, and getting deeper into that knowledge, that's what really grounds me. So when someone talks to me, say I have a client in January and they go, I'm eating a really healthy breakfast. I'm having oatmeal. I'm putting my blueberries in that. And you know, it's super great. I'm like, hold on a minute. On a deep level, you are living out of sync with nature. Yes, blueberries are great. They are full of antioxidants. They're a super great thing to be consuming. Not in January in Wisconsin. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. So when we eat out of season like that, because we can, we can go to the grocery store at almost any time of the year and get almost anything. There's a few seasonal foods and we get frustrated when we want them and they're not there. But in general, we can go to any grocery store and get any food from any place in the world. When we do that and we're not mindful of eating truly in season, there is this low level of anxiety that's created in our body because we're out of sync with nature. Your awareness goes even further though, Teresa. You're a Reiki master. You're an animal communicator. And I know you also work with your herding dogs. Uh, could you, I, this is like several questions all at once here, but it's a part of you. How do you break up working as an Ayurvedic practitioner along with the other things that you offer? And could you share what those things might be? I love the question because that is such a huge part of who I am. I have always been an animal person. Just ask my parents, like, please stop bringing home stray dogs. I'm like, I don't know why you don't believe me. They follow me. I didn't get them. So it's such a huge part of who I am. And I think it brings up this piece that I feel very passionate about. It depends on your belief system to whether you believe, you know, every being has a soul or every being has a soul purpose or that sort of understanding. But allowing a being to be fully that being is part of my journey in life. When I say that is when I have a dog, that soul of that dog chose to have a dog experience. So many times we want to anthropomorphize it to say it has these human features and human characteristics and it has, you know, it's going through the world like a human in a little dog body. That's not my belief system. My belief system is their soul desperately needs to have the experience of a dog, meaning 
They're going to roll in junk, right? They're going to lick inappropriately in public. They're mm -hmm. going to, they're going to protect me. They're going to do things that are, that are aligned with their sole purpose. So mm -hmm. part of what I do when I work with people, a lot, a lot of it is working with people with animals is I, dogs, I mean, uh, is that I help them look at their dog through different eyes. It's like, what is that dog's purpose in your life? That's why a lot of misbehavior is happening is it's it you're not allowing them to experience being a dog. And it's hard. Now, some dogs, yes, they want to be a dog, but they want to be a pet dog. They want to live in a house and they want to lay on the couch and they want to do those things. But even so far as like farm animals, when given the choice, I choose to consume a vegetarian diet. But I also know that my dogs are carnivores. My cats are carnivores. They need to, in order to be living their best life, they need to consume other animals. That is what it is to be that being. The awareness of the animal kingdom as a whole, every species included here, we're talking about you bet. your connection with nature and balance with people, with Ayurveda, is the same thing as with the relationship that we're having with our animals and our lifestyle with how we maneuver through our day with them and how can we help them be in better balance to do that absolutely and i think my training in shamanism helps to talk about it a little bit because we 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 in shamanism we talk about this understanding of mirroring to say that a, an animal might be mirroring to you some of the things that you need to be working on or some of the things that you need to be focused on for your own journey. One, and But we like to, you know, we like to fix others. So it's hard to fix ourselves. Many of my clients that come to me with an animal problem, it's sometimes they have a people problem, you know, that they, they're mirroring back to the person something in their life that they need to be working on. And it's part of their spiritual path to bring that up to them and show it in a loving and a reflective way that says, you know, that thing that you have with anger, here it is in me. Mm. Let's mm -hmm. work on that together. Mm -hmm. So the animal communication part of your skill set also is tapping into the awareness that they are trying to share with their human partner as to the journey together that they're experiencing. So maybe the messages that you receive in that way with all of your training is going to share with your clients something that they might not even be expecting to hear, I'm guessing. Absolutely. And I start all of my consultations with animals. I always start it with, we are here to hear the perspective from this animal. Mm -hmm. And we need to honor their communication. It may not be what we want to hear. It sometimes is is like, I don't know why they would say something like that, but it's always their perspective. That's why we're there. Yes, we might be here to help resolve a challenge that might be presenting itself. But first and foremost, we're here to listen. Mm -hmm. Right. And being not only that active participant in your own life, but the receiver of the relationship with your animals in the same way to honor them and you and your lifestyle. It just feels like going back to the balance between mind, body, and spirit. It spans every being, like you're saying. Absolutely. And that's why when I found Ayurveda, I 
but prior to understanding it and, and learning it, I was a little segmented myself. I was like, okay, here's this diet portion. Here's this herb portion. Here's this way that we have the spiritual practices. And here's this lifestyle portion. When I found Ayurveda, I saw everything come together. And I go, this is a practice of living. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. how do we live in balance with everything? Mm-hmm. With ev- like what time we get up, what time we go to bed, how we interact with people, how we listen to people, our our path, our jobs, our profession, every aspect of our life is touched oh. by Ayurveda. Yeah, and I think it's really important to talk about that. People feel like they're personally aware and in control of how they view the world. Could you share about the year-long course you're offering? Yes, it's called Elementally You, and it is the elements of living a good life. And it touches on all aspects of life. It has a basis on changing our habits, because really, we are our habits. So that course is has a basis of healthy lifestyle habits. But it flowers out and blossoms out to all aspects of living. That's why it is as long as it is. Mm -hmm. The information isn't always brand new every time we meet as a group. It's just going deeper and deeper into these ancient teachings. How do we execute it? And I interview people to come into the course. So it isn't just a, I'm going to do that. I'll sign up. There's an interview process that we talk about it and talk about how this might fit into a person's life because we're all there to be better versions of ourselves. We're all there to encourage each other. Everybody that comes into that course, you're there to encourage each other when you feel down. Maybe you're the one that is feeling up and you're inspiring people. Maybe the next time your person's having a lot of trouble. It's such a beautiful experience for people because it is all about positive change. I want to be a better version of myself. I have some people coming back for the second year saying, I, I thought I got it. I thought I had it. So it's a lovely experience of evolving as a person and becoming a new, better version of yourself. I can really see why everything goes together. And I know aromatherapy is a part of your lifestyle as well. The relationship that humans have had with the plants and trees is so ancient and it goes back to the very beginning of time that I use essential oils because they come from plants and trees. I use that platform to help people return to themselves, return to that trusting of the natural world, trusting of plants and trees and trusting of that sort of ancient life that we had and we all came from to help people feel safe, supported. And every time you open your eyes and you look at a plant or a tree, you see loving eyes reflected back to you. Mm, It's beautiful. It's information that speaks to the soul. We're all of the earth. And how can we get in sync with that? Our mind, body, and our soul all together. I love the whole concept of Ayurveda. Is there anything else that you would like to share for the listeners, how can they contact you and anything else that you would like to say before we end today? I would say that we are all earthlings. All beings on the earth are earthlings first. And we should embrace that part of ourselves, having this earth experience 
soaking up as much as we possibly can, being in harmony with the earth, being in harmony with our surroundings will bring that feeling of peace and contentment deep into our hearts. So I invite everybody to really embrace that term earthling, <laughs> as funny as it might sound, mm-hmm. uh, to say that's our first, that's our first job. Mm-hmm. As far as how people can contact me, there's many, many ways. Probably the easiest is the website that has my name, which is TeresaLafferty.com. And that is T-R-E-S-A-L-A-F-E-R-T-Y.com. There's a lot of uh, offshoots, you know, taking you to different places after you reach that point. But that's the easiest and most centralized location to find me. Mm. Thank you so much, Teresa. Your knowledge is vast and ever continuing. I know you you just recently got back from India and I know you have things that you continue to become saturated within. And it's evident in speaking with you today. You have a wealth of information ready to share with others, ready to have people contact you and figure out what it is that they need. I'm just so happy that we had the chance to share a lot of it. I think it's just important if this resonates with people to contact you because that means something's calling to them. Absolutely. And I always say when something calls to you, that's the universe supporting you. So it's up to you to embrace that and just dig a little deeper. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for being here today with me. And it's a beautiful kickoff into the season of fall. So thanks again. Thank you so much. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you to everyone who's rated, reviewed, and follows the show. And if you've enjoyed this episode, tell a friend. I really appreciate your support. Also, if you'd like to learn more about me, check out spiritchi.org for my earth wisdom workshops, agilloriginal.com for my hand-drawn pet portraits and more, and hellointerview.com for podcast updates. Remember, new episodes of Hello Interview drop every Wednesday. Until then, let your love light shine, everybody. Bye.